We don't have Ryan here for reading scripture. Pray for Lori. She might have broke her ankle this morning or last night somewhere in there. Broke it or sprained it or she's just being a baby about it. One of those three. So we got to pray for her. What did her sister just say? Probably. <laughs> and so, so hopefully she's all right there. And so we'll get to the message today. We have been talking about one another and the importance of so many different areas. And today we're continuing on that. And we're going to see some things today, and I want you to focus on the message. And we're doing, it's not going to be too long. We'll be in good shape today. As we've been talking about one another, we start members one of another. And the importance of everyone that's in the church. Church, those people that are there. And everyone that's in a church, in a local church, is important. You have a spot. You are a part. And it's important for us to be a part. And you might say, well, I'm insignificant. My part doesn't matter. We make up a body. Every part matters. Your physical body. If one thing hurts, you know it, right? I'm sure Lori knows her ankle is bothering her today. Part of the body is hurt. You need, your, you need things to be working properly. And so that's how it is in the church. And God places us within a local body. And you're important. And say, oh, pastor, I can't do very much. What you do is important. And no one can replace you and who you are. Sometimes... We get more mature in our age, and we feel like there's nothing I can There's so much. You have a spot. You are part of the body, and you're important. And don't ever let anybody make you feel like you're not important. You individually are important to the Lord and in his work. And if, if you're a part of this church, you are important. When you're not here, you're missed. The body cannot. Imagine if we all showed up when we were supposed to. This body could be comp- really doing really good. But most of the time, like this morning, first service, there about 15 people called me this morning that weren't going to be able to be here. Sickness, other things go on. And I understand all those things, and things happen in life. But when we're together, we can do so much more for the Lord, and it's so great. We looked at loving one another. And Jesus said, this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And you can go anyplace else in the world, and you can look around, and you see people that fight. Go to Congress. There's not much love in there, right? On either side of the aisle there. At so many different things, a church should be different. People should come into church and and know that the love of Christ is there. That we're unified, they're doing the work of God together. It's important. We talked about admonishing one another, and some people got real excited. I can't wait to tell someone what they need to fix in their life. That's not how it works. And normally, if you're the person who feels you need to correct everybody else in their lives, you're the one who needs to just shut up, and someone needs to correct. And we will get into that. Maybe I don't want to hurt your feelings too bad with that. But this is the problem with our opinion. I figured out something. Do you know what? Everyone has an opinion. Kind of like armpits. Sometimes they stink and sometimes they're okay. You never know which way it's going to be. And we don't need opinions from one another. We need the word of God. The Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that's how we admonish. And that's how we do those things. We talk about serving one another and how because of what Christ did for us, we are free from bondage. And we're free to serve him. And we serve him through love, not because of guilt, because of love and what he's done. We talk about being kind to one another and how we need to practice kindness. Each and every one of us in our daily lives just need to be kind. Show people the love of Christ. Be kind. Last week, a lady came to me that was coming to church, and she's like, Pastor, that sermon on kindness, I had to use it the other day. I'm like, okay, good. I'm glad someone uses it. She's like, I was at McDonald's, and I ordered a, co- a cup of coffee. And they told me, go park in one of those waiting spots for a cup of coffee. And she said, 10 minutes later, she still didn't have a cup of coffee. 
So she had to go in to get her cup of coffee, and she got and she's like, she was going to give them a piece of her mind. She remembered, oh yeah, pastor said, don't give people a piece of your mind, be kind. And she was kind instead. Last week, the Lord got to help me in this area. Um, last week, it was last Saturday, I got a phone call from the credit card company. My church credit card had been hacked. Someone went to Best Buy and tried to spend $2,000 on something at Best Buy online. I didn't get my new TV. I tried, but I just didn't know. I didn't, it wasn't me. That was a joke. So they closed the account. So like, we're going to send you a new card. Great. I got my new card. I call in. 26 minutes I'm on the phone with Synchrony Bank through Sam's Club, whatever it is. And so we're talking. They're like, we can't activate this card. Someone else wants to activate it. So they're going through all this. And you know, and when you first get on these things, they have this animated, automated service. It's like, just, and they're like, what can we help you with? Give me a real person! That's not, that's not quite, we need to know a little bit more. Just give me a person! Customer service! And finally, you know, something happens later. So I'm on the phone 26 minutes. I say, all right, Brian, your card is all set to go. You are good. Thank you for calling us. And we hope that you'll do the survey at the end. Didn't do the survey. 26 minutes to activate a card. That's a long time. So uh, everything's good. Tuesday, I had to go and fill the church van up with gas. Get to the pump at Sam's Club. Put it in again. Declined. I call. It takes five minutes just to get to someone because of all the automated stuff. I get someone, they're talking, they're like, oh, sir, I'll help you, and da 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 and they're talking, talking, talking. And then I've been on the phone about seven minutes now, they still haven't got anything figured out, and click, they hung up on me. Like, I'm calling back one more time, and they are getting a piece of my mind. This is ridiculous. And uh, finally, five minutes later, after going through that, you know, your balance is this, and this, what can we help you with? Get me a live person. Sir, we need, or we need a better response. You could try this, or customer service. If you just say customer service, it works, but I was irritated at that time, so customer service wasn't coming out. Just give me a person. So anyways, this person on the phone, and this lady's on the phone, and I was not happy, and I said, well, this is how I started out my call. I'm like, I'm really not happy. I've been on the phone a total of 35, 32, 35 minutes with you guys, and my card was declined, and I know it's not your fault, but I'm not happy right now. We got to get this fixed, and she was so apologetic, and uh, she didn't, it probably could have been her the day before that didn't fix it but who knows she looks sir i'm sorry to tell you but they didn't activate it yesterday 26 minutes activated hard so i decided to be nice it wasn't her fault unless she was the one who didn't do it yesterday but i don't know if that's how it was and then as i'm getting off the phone they're like thank you for having your business at victory baptist church here for the past seven years like oh good thing i didn't say too much i was representing the lord in our church and it was a good thing to be kind. And people just need kindness. A lot of people don't deserve kindness, but they need it. And we just need Christians that will be kind today. Today we're going to go even further on this same verse. Look at your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 31. The Bible says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And look what it says, verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Today, we're talking about forgiving one another. We have a tendency, when we sit in service and we hear a message preached, we start thinking of how this message could help someone else. Oh, there's this friend of mine. If they were to just been there today, they could have heard this sermon. It really would help them in their life. Or we think to ourselves, I hope my spouse is listening up today. Or we think, oh, I hope my mom and dad are listening today. Or mom and dad are like, I hope my child's listening today. 
what I want you to know this morning. The message this morning is for everybody in this room, including myself. There's no one this message is not for. Say, Pastor, do you preach this at me? Sure. I'm preaching at every one of us today. There's not no one I'm not preaching at today. I'm preaching even at myself today. We have a, and as we look at this thing and as we look at forgiveness, all of us have times. Answer me this. How many of you have ever been wronged before by somebody? Anybody ever been wronged before? Let's see if they're, I think, okay, oh, Erica got, whew, she shot the hand up quick there. And uh, everybody has. We've all been wronged. Which means there are times that we've got to learn to forgive. Every one of us. Sin can be hard. And there might be times where it seems that forgiving someone else is almost impossible. And that's what we're going to talk about today. If we're going to live life without ongoing conflict and not be eaten up by bitterness, we have to learn to forgive. That's why our text here, God admonishes us here to forgive one another. To forgive means to pardon or show undeserved favor to the person who wronged you. Someone said this, I said, forgiveness is me giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. And today I want to look at this thing of forgiving one another, and I want us to consider the importance of a lo- living a life that's been reconciled, first to God and then with one another. And we learn that forgiveness is a vital, um, a vital, vital, vital ingredient to a healthy life. I want to look at that this morning. Our lives are too short to have unresolved bitterness. Consider the effects of an unforgiving heart. Anger, bitterness into relationships, loss of joy in your presence. Sometimes depression is caused from not forgiving. I'm not saying all the time, I'm saying some of the time. Some of our anxieties come because we're not able to forgive. Sometimes we have a lack of meaning and purpose in life because we can't forgive. Sometimes we lose valuable and... Um, enriched connections and relationships because of it. The only alternative to being in bondage to bitterness is to practice forgiveness. Number one this morning, our need to receive forgiveness. Our need to receive forgiveness. Learning to forgive begins with recognizing that we all are in need of forgiveness ourselves. Two minutes ago, I asked you if you've ever been wronged one raised their hand. Let me ask you another question. How many of you have ever wronged someone else? All of us. So just like we want forgiveness from those who have wronged us, those we wrong want forgiveness as well. All of us need forgiveness one way or And that's what we're looking at this morning. And learning to forgive begins recognizing the fact we all need forgiveness. We've all wronged someone before, and we, our need to, for, to receive forgiveness begins, letter A, personally. Each of us needs to receive forgiveness because we all transgress. Sometimes we hold on to the hidden sin of bitterness. That's verse 31 talks about that. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And at these times, bitterness becomes a stronghold in our lives and an area that Satan can work in our lives. Christian counselor Jay Adams wrote this. He said, anger may be handled wrongly in either one of two ways, blowing up or clamming up. We not only need forgiveness for hidden sins, but also hateful sins. 
Have we not sometimes been the ones who spoke angrily to someone else or spoke hurtful words to someone else? Verse 31, it has a list of things here, and it shows several manifestations of anger. And we show one is wrath, and wrath is passion, heat, or fierce rage. Anger suggests blowing up, violent emotion. Benjamin Franklin said this, he said, Anger is never without a reason, but seldom with a good one. Clamor, clamor is loud and noisy complaint. I think people, clamor today, a good way to describe it would be social media today. Facebook, Twitter, and we just air all our dirty, all these things about people. Let me just give you a little help this morning. Don't use social media to attack other people. Don't do it. Go to the person, talk to them. You do not help conflict by posting it so all your friends can feel sorry for you. And a good friend is not going to feel sorry for you. They're going to tell you you should have posted what you posted. And all those ones who are feeling bad for you, they, uh, never mind, I'll get off with all that. I don't want to get anybody mad at me this morning. I'll, uh, forgive me, forgive me. Let's just move on. But so many people, so many relationships get hurt because of stupid things people write online. Don't. Don't do it. No, you well, what's my Facebook for then? I say Facebook because most of the teens in the room don't have Facebook. They use the other ones. Most adults use Facebook. Then what's my Facebook for? How about you praise God with it? Oh, that's a good idea. Wow. Thinking. Don't, don't tear people down. The clamoring. Evil speaking refers to slander. Whether it's hidden bitterness in the heart or hateful anger towards someone, we're all guilty and we all need forgiveness. We need forgiveness physically, but more importantly than that letter B, we need forgiveness spiritually. You think about this this morning. Before we can be reconciled to one another, we need to be reconciled to God. Our sins in our life, not just the ones mentioned here in chapter number 4, but anything we do that breaks or violates God's law has separated us from God. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.10, For if when we were enemies... You see, before salvation, we were the enemies of God. That's what the Bible says. People, oh, we're all children of God. No, before salvation, you're an enemy of God. It says, but we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. To be reconciled means to be called back into a union or friendship. Is to be brought into friendship from a state of disagreement or enmity. We're reconciled to God when we admit the fact that we're a sinner and receive what Christ did for us. And once you've trusted Christ as your Savior, thank Him for the fact that you've been reconciled. And then we get the wonderful privilege of being able to share with the lost world around us the fact that we've been reconciled. And that's what 2 Corinthians chapter, or yeah, 2 Corinthians verse 19 and 20 tells us to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Who has he committed it to? It's Christians. Now then we are, all us that are saved, those who have been reconciled by God, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. That's our job. And we get the privilege of being representatives of Christ. And that's why in our lives we got to learn to forgive. It shows Christ. You see, number one, we see they are need to receive forgiveness. It's both physical and it's spiritual. Number two this morning, our need to give forgiveness. All of us want to receive forgiveness, but we're not always willing to give forgiveness. A woman was bitten by a dog that had rabies. And it looked like she was going to die from the rabies. The doctor told her to put her final affairs in order. The woman took a pen and paper and began writing furiously. 
In fact, she wrote and wrote and wrote. Finally, the doctor said, that sure is a long will you're making. She snorted, will nothing. I'm making a list of all the people I'm going to bite before I die. That was a bitter lady. And some of you are like, what did you just say? This, the woman had rabies, and she was going to go bite people, try and give them rabies. She was making a list. And if you didn't think that was funny, it's just my sense of humor, and I'm sorry. I ask you for forgiveness this morning. But it's in our nature to want to get even with people. It's the way we are. That's the old man in us. And we, but you've got to understand something. Just because that's our nature to want to get even, God has a better way for all of us. Leads us to letter A. Letter A, because why should we forgive? Are you ready? Because God calls us to forgive. We need to forgive others. Why? Because God commands us to. And it says right there in that verse that we read, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The word forgiving in verse 32 means to give grace or to pardon. This is what happens. We are either scorekeepers or grace givers in life. We either remember the wrong that others do to us and hold it against them for the future, or we extend grace to those who wrong us. God tells us, and this is what's important, trust him to be the judge. They deserve this. It's not your place to tell people what they deserve. And some people we might think deserve certain things, but that's not our job. Our job is to trust the judge. And who is the judge? God is. But it doesn't seem like he's doing anything to them. That's not your place. And does a loving Christian really want to see people suffer? Being honest? There's another thing to think about. Romans 12, verse 19 and 21 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place in the wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Now some are thinking, I'm just doing the Lord's work. Taking care. No, no. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Let God do it. Verse 21 needs to be what every Christian gets in their head. Be not overcome of evil. Because you see, one, that wrong does not make it, does not give you a pass to do wrong back. One wrong doesn't lead, make it right for you to do another wrong. Don't be overcome of evil. Don't let that bitterness, don't let that anger, don't let, don't let that evil speaking be in you. Don't be overcome with the evil. But overcome what's happened. The evil that's happened in your life with good. That's what we need today in Christianity. That's not how Christianity works today. Most Christians are, they are overcome of evil and they overcome that evil with more evil. That evil's never overcome. You want to overcome evil today? It happens with good. Overcome evil with good. Trust the judge. Vengeance belongs to God and he will settle the score much better than I ever could. You got to trust him. Forgiveness does a couple of things. It sets us on the path to liberty. When you forgive, two people are set free. The person you forgive, and guess who else? You. As long as you hold on to bitterness and you become entrapped and slave to that bitterness, you are in bondage. It's hurting you. Remember the apostle Peter, he asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive? And the Jewish tradition was you would forgive three times. That was Jewish tradition. So Peter in the verse there in, in uh, Matthew chapter number 18, he said, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall I forgive? Or how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive till seven times. Like, oh, see, Jesus, the Jewish customs three. I'm sure Jesus just a little bit more. That's what Jesus said. He say then him, I say not in the until seven times, but until 70 times seven. 70 times seven, 490. That could be in a day. You say, what are you trying to say? This is what Jesus was telling Peter. Forget keeping score and just forgive. Why should we forgive? 
Because God forgave us. He calls us to forgive. Letter B, why should we forgive? Because forgiveness, and get this this morning, brings healing. Brings healing. We not only forgive because it's commanded, but also because it brings good to us. Forgiving, forgiveness, heals us from past hurts and frees us from the bondage of bitterness. Think of Joseph in the Old Testament. His father favored him, gave him a coat of many colors, and that favoritism led his brothers to be very envious of him. In fact, they despised him. They almost ha- they hated him. One day, Joseph's coming along, and they see him coming. They can see him afar away. Colors. You see that coat from a little ways away. And so they decide they're going to kill him. So then they end up selling him into slavery. They take his coat. They shred it up. They put blood on it and tell Dad that Joseph has died. And all these things happen. And Joseph goes from being his daddy's favorite to being a slave in Egypt. He's in the Potiphar's house as a slave. He moves up to where he's second in command of the house. And Potiphar's wife lies about him. He goes to prison. He goes to jail. At time while he was in jail, it's amazing. He kept moving up the ladder. He was the top prisoner in jail. It's kind of a weird saying. But yes, he was the top prisoner in jail. And there were, remember, the baker and the butler were thrown in to jail? Dreams? Joseph interprets the dreams? One of those two lived. Say, which one? I can't remember at this moment, but one of those two lived. And what, what Joseph told him was, hey, when you go back, remember me. Almost three years later, Pharaoh has a dream. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, there's this guy in jail that helped me with my dream. He could probably tell you your dream. Three years later, they bring Joseph out. They clean him up. He goes before Pharaoh. He rises into second in command in Egypt. And one day the famine is so bad, Joseph's brothers are standing before him wanting food. Some of us would look at that and be like, this is the perfect opportunity to get even. Go home. You get nothing from me. Go die and rot in the desert. That's how some of our attitudes would be. God bless you along the way. That would be our Christian little input there. But do you know there was something about Joseph so different? Do you know the Bible tells us that when he was put into slavery, the Lord was with him, and he rose to power. He was lied about, went to jail, the Lord was with him. And you see over and over again the life of Joseph, the Lord was with him, the Lord was with him, the Lord was with him. Church, if you're full of bitterness and anger, you're not going to be full of God. You cannot be full of the fruit of the Spirit and be full of bitterness and anger. It doesn't work that way. Say, why was Joseph, why did God work, and why did Joseph continue to succeed? Because he forgave and moved forward. Now, it's very interesting to me. Eventually, Jacob dies. The brothers think, and when, when they came to Joseph, he was very kind to them. He ended up giving them food. Not only did he do all that, through the end of it, the whole family moves down to Egypt, and they're taken care of. Jacob dies one day, and the brothers are afraid that Joseph's going to finally get eaten. Maybe he's only being nice to us, his dad was still alive. Now that dad's gone, he's going to do something. So look at what they say to Joseph. So they've done all this wrong to Joseph, correct? And now they're lying about what their father said. Put Genesis 50 up there for me. And they didn't even come to Joseph. They sent a messenger. What chickens? And they sent a messenger to Joseph saying, thy father did command before he died. Now Jacob never said this. Verse 17. So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept 
when they spake unto him. They did. Jacob never said that, but look at Joseph's response. But as for you, he thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day. Why I'm in the place I am, why this has happened to me, God did this so that many people could be saved. You see, Joseph looked at the bigger plan. Did he have a right to be bitter at his brothers? Yes, 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 yes. But I'll tell you this, I guarantee you this, God would not have used him the way he did he would have held on to all that bitterness. God used Joseph the way he did because this was his attitude. And you might look and say, well, pastor, you don't know what so-and-so did to me. I don't. And I'm sure it's bad. But think with me, did, did they do to you what happened to Joseph? Have you ever been as wronged as Jesus was wronged? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You're hurting yourself. As you hold on to the bitterness, you need to let it go and be free from it. Amazing. And when all this happens, Joseph's brothers fractured their family relationship by their evil deeds. But Joseph chose to forgive, and he brought unity and healing to the family. Forgiveness brings physical, emotional, and relational benefits in our lives as well. There's a few facts I want to give you. Mayo Clinic says these. If you don't like it, you can talk to them about it. This is not... This is not a pastor trying to play doctor. I'm taking this from Mayo Clinic. This comes from them. If you don't know what Mayo Clinic is, that's probably a good thing if you don't have to, you know, Caroline live close to Mayo Clinic. And it's a, doc, a, a well-known, you know, like we have scripts in San Diego, things like that. But think about this. You could learn to forgive leads to healthier relationships. You ever wonder why your relationships are so bad in life and why it seems like person after person just keeps hurting you and you can't figure out why your relationships are all the same? Could it be that you're the problem? That you need to deal with the stuff inside of you? You want healthier relationships? Deal with what's inside. Next, it improves mental health. By letting go of the anger, letting go of the bitterness, it improves mental health. Now think with me for a minute. I could work all day physically and be exhausted at the end of the day and tired, but it's completely different on a day where it's just mentally draining. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, Sundays, pastoring and preaching all day long. Physically, I'm not very tired. Mentally, I'm wasted by the end of the day. Mental, it wears you out. And when all you're doing is thinking on all these things and all these hurts and all these things that have happened in your life, you're wearing yourself out. And you can improve your mental health just by... I'm not saying it fixes everything. It helps. Next... There's less anxiety in your life, less stress, less hostility. It could lower your blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression. Now this one, a stronger immune system. They say it, not me, so I guess, I guess it might be right. But you, let go, you can have a stronger immune You say, Pastor, I'm always sick. Maybe it's the bitterness in your heart and you need to get rid of that. Don't get the flu shot, just get rid of the bitterness in your heart. I don't know. Uh, improves your heart health because these things weigh heavy on the heart. Improves self-esteem. There's so many things. Even when we recognize these benefits about forgiveness, it is hard to do. And you and I cannot forgive in our own strength. Forgiveness may benefit us. That's what we need, church. We need divine enabling to grant it to us, to help us. So why should I forgive? Because God calls us to forgive. Letter B, because forgiveness brings healing. Then letter C, because God enables us to forgive. God enables us to forgive. Verse 32 speaks of forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You notice that God forgives us on the merit of Jesus' shed blood, not because we deserve it. Just like that, God wants us to be Christ-like in our attitude towards forgiving. We are to forgive those, we are to forgive others, not because they deserve it, but because Christ forgave us. Verse John 
12 says, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. A few years ago, I watched a movie called Unbroken. And some of you might remember that. I think there's actually a book about it as well. And it talks about um, Louis Zamprini. There's a picture of him back there. And uh, he was in World War II. And uh, basically, if you remember, their ship got attacked. Were they in a plane or were they in a ship? A plane? A plane crashed into the water, and they survived many days on the water. They were picked up by Japan, by the Japanese. They were put into, he was a prisoner of war in Japan, and they were treated awful in the time that they were there. And I encourage you to read the book. I encourage you to watch the movie. Power, Forgiveness, and See, and we'll get here in just a moment. But what I want you to understand is this. When he was at that camp, the camp commander, and um, I'll probably mess up his name. He was known as the bird. We'll just call him that. He was cruel. And the things that happened to Zamprini are unbelievable during that time. The malnourishment and the physical abuse and all the things that happened. And he got back to the States. He married and quickly he turned to alcohol to cope with the inner pain and nightmares. And his marriage began to fall apart. And some years later, there's a picture of the two of them. And I think there's a Bible his hand there. Lewis's wife got saved at a Billy Graham crusade in Los Angeles and invited him to come the next night. On the second night he was there, he remembered the promise he had made to God, well, adrift on the raft and then in prison. That night he decided to trust Christ as his Savior. And he chose to forgive those who held him captive. His nightmares disappeared for good. The next year, in October of 1950, he went to the prison in Tokyo Japan, and you put a picture up of that, where many war criminals were in prison. The guards who were so abusive to him, a lot of them were in this prison. He went there and expressed forgiveness. He forgave them. Zamprini shared his salvation testimony and got to lead two of the soldiers to Christ, the ones who were so cruel to him. Four days before his 81st birthday, there's one more picture that I want you to put up. In January of 98, Zamprini ran a leg in the Olympic torch relay in the winter olympics in japan it wasn't far from the prisoner of war camp where he'd been held and while he was there he tried to get with the commander the bird offer him forgiveness is there someone you need to forgive today there's power in love and forgiveness of jesus christ to set you free from the bitterness and help enable you to forgive all of us need to receive forgiveness but perhaps some of us need to learn how to let go of the burden of bitterness and give it to the Lord. See, number one today, our need to receive forgiveness. Number two, our need to give forgiveness. And number three, and lastly, our way to obtain forgiveness. Some people don't feel they're worthy of forgiveness. They feel they can't obtain it. They feel it's out of their control and their sin is too great. Well, you understand something today. There's hope because as great as your sin might be, my God is greater than your sin. You see, how does this work, our way to obtain forgiveness? It happens, letter A, it comes from God. Verse 32 tells us that God freely offers forgiveness to all who will seek him. And this is repeated throughout the Bible. Psalm 86, 5. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. And you might say that your sin is too great, but the good news is God's grace is greater still. God's mercy is greater and God will never turn a sinner away who turns to him. See, how do we get this? The way to obtain it from God but in order to be from God, it has to come through Jesus. The way we receive forgiveness is through Christ. Verse 32 tells us right there, it says, And be kind one to another, tender heart, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. 
To receive forgiveness through Christ, we must first recognize that we do indeed need it. The Bible talks about how our iniquities have separated between us and God. Romans tells us about the fact that wherefore is by one man sin entered the world, and we're all sinners. And our sins separate us from God. And all of us need forgiveness, and God is just, and he cannot turn a blind eye and look past it. Sin must be dealt with. Jesus came into this world to pay the penalty for our sins on the cross. And the only way to be reconciled to God is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's what makes forgiveness possible. That's what Romans 1.7 says. It says, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. And 1 Peter 1.18 and 19, For as much as ye know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your father. That's what it is but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. We no longer need to labor in guilt because Jesus already paid the price on the cross for us. As he hung on the cross that day, and as they cried out, crucify him, crucify him, he's not our king, Caesar's our king, we don't want him as our king. What did he cry out? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And just like Jesus did that that day on the cross, when one of us cry out to him and we tell him, Lord, we know we're a sinner. We believe you died for us. We believe what you did. Jesus tells the Father, Father, I forgive them. They're forgiven. And praise God for that forgiveness. You can be made righteous through Jesus Christ. A day on the cross, as Jesus was there, there were two thieves, one on each side. One of them said, if you're really the Son of God, prove it. The other one recognized who he was and said, Lord, would you remember me? What did Jesus say? Today you'll be with me in paradise. I love those movies, The, the Passion, or either the, um, the one, Jesus the Son of God, and where the guy, that was, the guy that was not right with him there, the bird goes and plucks his eye. I thought that was pretty cool, but the, that probably didn't happen. That was just on the... Anyways, of the two thieves on the cross, one chose to be bitter, reject Christ. Well, the other one chose to believe in Christ and receive forgiveness. Perhaps you've already trusted Christ as your Savior. And looking in this room, I think mostly everyone in this room has. Are you displaying forgiveness? Pastor, they don't deserve my forgiveness. That's the whole point. None of us deserve forgiveness from God. Now, you got to understand with forgiveness too. Some people take forgiveness way too far. So someone robs your house and they go to jail, whatever, for their time. And they get out and you say, I forgive you. You don't let them just go stay at your house when you're gone. That's probably not a smart idea. Forgiveness is letting go. What are you holding on to today? What's hindering the relationships in your life? What's stopping your growth? Maybe today you need to come to Christ. You're like, Lord, I need help. Hey, the Bible says there, let all these things, let bitterness, let be put away. Clamor, evil speaking, wrath, let them all be put away. And forgive one another. You could help yourself out a lot today. You could get past your bitterness and learn to forgive. Don't get bitter, get better. And there are some in this room, and I love our church and I love our church family. I want you to take heed to what I say. There are some of you in this room, there is bitterness in your heart. And you know it and I know it this morning. And you wonder why things, relationships and things that go on in life, why they are the way they are. Get it right. All you talk to me anytime. I'll be outside. Text me anytime. Let's meet together. Let's get a plan to help you with your bitterness. You don't just, you know, this is one thing. Some people think this. In a few minutes, I'll come to the altar and say, God, I forgive everybody. And you walk out the door and it's just magically done. Bitterness? Especially the longer bitterness sits, like tree roots, they're everywhere. You cannot just, oh, I went to the altar and I'm fixed. Let's make sure we understand something. The altar does not fix all your problems, okay? If you're not saved and you, come to the, and you get saved, that's, a big, that's the best thing that could ever happen to you. 
Some people think the altar is this magic pill. The altar is not a magic pill. The altar means you're acknowledging what God's talking to you about, and you're starting a conversation with him about fixing a problem. You start it here so that when you leave, you can continue and get fixed when these get fixed. One little prayer at the altar means next Sunday I'll come back and pray the same thing at the altar. Some people, Pastor, the altar doesn't work. That's because you're not using the altar the way it's supposed to be. It's a beginning point. So what happens is you walk out of here, a lot of churches that don't have invitations, we need invitations today. Churches that don't have invitations, what happens is people leave, they never get a moment with the Lord, and then they forget about what happened. At least you have an invitation. If God spoke to your heart, you go talk to him right now and start the conversation. And then if some of you are dealing with bitterness, come meet with me anytime you want. We'll set it up. I'll give you Bible principles to help you find ways to get rid of the bitterness in your heart. Pastor, I don't want to. And keep hurting yourself. Hurt your relationships. Hurt all those things. God didn't design, design a Christian to be bitter. Design a Christian. Wow. After the forgiveness God's given me, I can forgive. And you could change your life if you would let go and let God. Father, I thank you.